0: The Diamond Sutra is called the Diamond Sutra, um, because the, the the diamond is has that great clarity <coughs> it 's uh, also the, the, the um, strongest substance, right even in these modern days the diamonds are used to cut through everything, even other diamonds are cut by diamonds and so this then is the wisdom that cuts through illusions and Uh, Luckily, um, the actual Diamond Sutra is not very long. And even so, we're not going to cover everything there could be to say about it, because it's deep. But I'll share a little bit. (coughs) Thus have I heard. So all the Sutras start with, thus have I heard. This was an oral tradition. And the person who was charged with receiving it was um, Ananda, who had this photographic memory. So that's where we start. Once the Bhagavan was dwelling near Shabasti in Jetta forest, together with the full assembly of 250 bhikkhus and many fearless bodhisattvas. One day before noon, the Bhagavan put on his patched robe and picked up his bowl and entered the capital, Ashvarasti for offerings. After begging for food in the city and eating his meal of rice, he returned from his daily round in the afternoon, put his robe and bowl away, washed his feet, and sat down on the appointed seat. After crossing his legs and adjusting his body, he turned his awareness to what was before him, On this occasion, the Venerable Subhuti was also present in the assembly. Rising from his seat, he uncovered one shoulder and touched his right knee to the ground. Pressing his palms together and bowing to the Buddha, he said, It is rare, Bhagavan, most rare indeed, how the Tathagata, the Arhat, the fully enlightened one, blesses fearless bodhisattvas with the best of blessings. And it is rare, Bhagavan, how the Tathagata, the Arhat, the fully enlightened one, entrust the fearless bodhisattvas with the greatest of trust. Even so, Bhagavan, if a noble son or daughter should set forth on the bodhisattva path, how should they stand, how should they walk, and how should they control their thoughts? The Buddha told Subhuti, Well said, well said. So it is. It is as you say. The Tathagata blesses fearless bodhisattvas with the best of blessings and entrusts fearless bodhisattvas with the greatest of trust. You should therefore truly listen, Subhuti, and consider this well. I shall tell you how those who set forth on the bodhisattva path should stand, how they should walk, how they should control their thoughts. So Subhuti answered, may it be so, Bhagavan, and gave his attention. Buddha said to him, Subhuti, those who would now set forth on the Bodhisattva path should thus give birth to this thought. However many beings there are in whatever realms of being might exist, whether they're born from an egg or born from a womb born from the water or born from the air, whether they have form or no form, perception or no perception, or neither perception nor no perception. In whatever conceivable realm of being, one might conceive of beings. In the realm of complete nirvana, I shall liberate them all. And though I thus liberate countless beings, not a single being is liberated. And why not? Subhuti, a bodhisattva who creates the perception of a being, cannot be called a bodhisattva. And why not? Subhuti, no one can be called a bodhisattva who creates the perception of a self, or creates the perception of a being, you know, a life, you know, or something else uh, self-existing. Moreover, Subhuti, when Bodhisattvas give a gift, they should not be attached to a thing. When they give a gift, they should not be attached to anything at all. They should not be attached to a sight when they give a gift. Nor should they be attached to a sound, a smell, a taste, a touch, or a dharma when they give a gift. Subhuti, fearless Bodhisattvas, should give a gift without being attached to the perception of an object. And why? Subhuti, the body of merit of those bodhisattvas who give a gift without being attached, is not easy to measure. What do you think, Subuti? Is the space to the east easy to measure? Subuti replied, no, it is not, Bhagavan. The Buddha said, likewise, is the space to the south, to the west, to the north, in between, above, below, or in any of the ten directions easy to measure? Subhuti replied, no, it is not Bhagavan. The Buddha said, so it is, Subhuti. The body of merit of those bodhisattvas who give a gift without being attached is not easy to measure. Thus, Subhuti, those who set forth on the bodhisattva path should give a gift without being attached to the perception of an object. So, right there you know we've got the the whole basic diamond sutra basically um, the core message has just already been delivered so the first thing we start out with this very um, thorough description you know the buddha has set out on the alms rounds um, he's received the bowl of rice he's um, finished the bowl of rice he's put the bowl away you know he's um washed his feet they'd wash their feet because they're not wearing shoes when they set out on the alms round so they that coming back his feet are all dusty so it must wash the feet right and then sits in uh meditation so that's already a teaching nothing in the diamond sutra is there by accident so there's a famous and um koan you know a teaching story where um You know, someone says to Zen Master Joju, I've just entered the monastery, please teach me. And uh, Zen Master Joju says, have you had breakfast? And the monk says, yes, I have. And then Joju says, wash your bowls. You know, like how simple and clear it is. You know, that's, you know, any moment by moment, you know, are we um, making our right relationship to the situation? You know so his teaching his the clarity of the way that he is walking through day-to-day life you know as um Thich Nhat Hanh says the, the miracle is not to walk on water it's to walk on the green earth in the present moment you know when we 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 realize that peace which is all around us we will be healed and transformed so Subhuti has already been struck you know there's something about buddha's way of being that i would really like to get and, you know, he's putting a lot of trust in us, you know, and we're, we're working, you know, on this bodhisattva path, you know, but I really have to ask, you know, what's the, what's the secret? You know, I'm just, I'm just going to say it out. You know, tell us how we should control the mind. And... Um, You know, Buddha responds, you you know, he's not going to get into all these details, how you should sit, how you should walk, how you should control your thoughts. He says, it's like this. Keep that mind of, you know, however many beings there may be in all of the realms, every conceivable realm, you know, born in the water, you know, born in the air, born in the earth, from a womb, from an egg, whatever, however, you know, I'm going to, you know, liberate them all. You know i'm going i'm going to help all beings and when i do that it's with not any idea of attachment to a being because by making that right i have just helped you then that is creating duality it's creating separation There is a nice piece in uh, Rachel Naomi Riemann's book, Kitchen Table Wisdom, where she writes about how it was when um, she was a young girl with colitis, and there were some doctors who would go in and and see her, um, you know, with this idea like they were going to fix this broken thing, and so she had basically no sense of agency around that. She was an object to them. And that is dehumanizing. And that would be like not to do. And then there were maybe the social workers who are a little bit better, you know, but maybe overflowing with some idea of charity. Oh, you know, like, let me help you, right? And that can also be very um, kind of demeaning. And also, in some way, creating this perception, you know, this story, about, there's the person to be helped, you know, and here I am, the one who is doing the helping. And um, you know, that also can imprison the person being helped and the person who is doing the helping. And um, so she wrote about the third way, which is serving, which means coming from our wholeness And meeting the wholeness of the other person and as we do that it's not with any idea like you know oh you know here i'm coming from this whatever you know advantaged place it's coming in with the wholeness including our own wounds and meeting the other person in their wholeness and realizing that somehow our liberation is bound up together so um then why is it important that we don't not only give, give rise to the idea of a being, um, you know, but these other pieces? Um, you know, a person, a living being, a lifespan, you know. So Thich Nhat Hanh explains it like this. There is this cloud. And here in Encinitas, we can watch, um, you know, the clouds come in sometimes. And if the cloud is missing, and we grieve like, oh no, that cloud died, my friend, the cloud is not there. That would be a complete mistake. The cloud did not ever die, it changed form. So if you look in your cup of tea, there's the cloud. So So um, that cloud is arising from water It's arising from heat the atmospheric conditions and so it continues to change and as we are able to take ourselves more lightly get out of our own way then we're also able to flow with the whirlpools of life without needing to protect ourselves from change You know, everything is always changing, 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 right? So the water I just drank is already changing. Um, You know, the wood in these pews is already changing. It came from a tree which came from the earth. And someday somehow the pew will go back to the earth. But even though everything is changing, somehow we think, you know, this I is what is never going to change. Um, and so we try to protect and defend it from change. Um, or we try to affect whatever, you know, we want. And so the Diamond Sutra is basically saying, if you want to be of any use, um, you have to release yourself from that conception. And then also, you know, be ready to interact with others know and be able to see that they are also you know this wholeness so if we say that only giving rise to a person also um if if, if our thoughts you know perceive that y- uh, this idea of only helping persons then what about all of the animals upon which our liberation depends you know, if we, if we give rise to the concept of a living being, what about the rocks? You know, it's interesting. After Hiroshima, um, there were people who went in, back into that land, and they noticed, they said that the rocks had died, and they had to bring in fresh rocks. So this is not a perception that we might commonly have, that the rocks have life. But maybe the rocks do have life. You know what about water we think of water as a static thing but actually there's all this kind of research that Imoto has done that shows that if we send different energy to the water the water crystals arrange in different ways so then is the water living i mean you know is it not living and it giving rise to the idea of a lifespan you know, the lifespan is, uh, gives us the, the concept that something is discontinued. But every moment, actually all the cells in our body are changing. You know, this is, the cells in our body are not the same ones when we're born. But we, d- we didn't mourn them. You know, everything is simply continuing. And so as we realize this, you know, what happens is we get out of our own way and we begin to feel how connected we are you know, that we're living through everything else that is alive together with us. And um, you know, there have been times in my life where I have had that experience when I've walked into nature and been aware of how, um, you know, the boundaries, you know, between myself and nature are somewhat consensual, you know, a consensus reality. You know, do they exist in the same way that we think they exist? You know, I'm not so sure. So in um, a couple different Buddhist sutras, there's this parable of the, the sort of like a prodigal son. His father leaves him a great inheritance, and he also says, I'm going to give you this jacket. Whatever you do, never lose hold of the jacket. And so the son is not that wise, and he spends his inheritance foolishly. So then he's out on the street, (sighs) but he has this jacket. So one day, he looks, and inside the lining is sewn this huge gem. And he's like, that's it. That's why my father told me to hold on to the jacket, because I've had this gem all the time. I can rebuild my life. So all the time, we might think that, you know, that there's this sort of gaining and losing going on, you know, measure our value by what we have, or think that there's a limited supply of something. But it's infinite. Because when we come from this place of no separation, right, then we have access to that energy of creation. And when we work from that place, Absolutely, the more that we give, the more that we have. Right now, today, um, in Korea, they have started a 90-day winter retreat. They're getting up at 3.20 every morning, going to bed at 9.15 at night. And so that (coughs) sounds like it might be an exhausting thing. I know at 3.20 here, I'm sound asleep. But the more that everyone on the retreat gives, the more energy that they find that they have. And so it is, um, you know, in this day-to-day life, but in order to realize that we just have to free ourselves from this prison of our, you know, sort of mental constructs. So then there's a lot of commentary. This is a translation by uh, Red Pine, uh, who actually feels a spiritual connection with um, a a kind of Taoist uh, that makes it possible for him to do the translations he does. It's actually a little bit Chapel of Awareness-esque. So here's what the great master uh, Lin Chi, who founded the Rinzai School of, of Zen, said about this. He said, To practice charity is to give everything. Give it all away. Get rid of perceptions of self, you know, being, Life and lifespan. By not dwelling on anything, bodhisattvas do not see the self that gives, nor the other that receives, nor anything given. So, recognizing the oneness of the giver, the receiver, and the gift. They don't desire what they do not have, nor do they long for some future reward. You know, so it's, it's a, a recognition that we are that life force. And as we give, um, we're enabling that um, energy to flow, just as it, like a river, without any forcing and without a, any holding back the way it is with children. And as, as we do that, we, we um, uh, widen like that river. We increase our capacity to be a clear channel. So this is where we usually open it up. I'm not going to pretend um, that we're going to explain the entire Diamond Sutra today, but I'm happy to give it a visit, and I hope that's been useful. Do people have any questions or about practice, or about our life, about the Diamond Sutra, or did everyone instantaneously achieve enlightenment? Yes. <laughs> yes. The, like the 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 image of vastness that they were introducing here. Yeah, if you go to the east, vast yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question. That's a good question. So here's what I'll, how the way I'll answer it, because actually the Diamond Sutra has many many images of that vastness. You know, at various places it will. You know, Buddha will ask Subhuti, Subhuti, how many how many grains of sand do you think there are in the Ganges you know oh you know there's more there's more grains of sand in the Ganges than I could count and so he says what if each of those grains of sand was itself a Ganges? then how many how many grains of sand and so just in that way that's how immeasurable you know the merit is that you're getting from sharing even uh, you know four lines of this sutra things so why introduce those concepts of vastness so here's a story that um, my teacher would tell he'd say you know you look here in this look like old style zoo you know where the lions and the bears you know just had these small cages and because they had a small cage and they have the energy of a wild animal they would pace through the cage and that was a a kind of prison you know that was not healthy for the animals so at some point someone realized this and they created one of those um, more modern zoo conditions where you know the animals can roam you know but as the story goes one of these animals it kept pacing in its cage it's got that full access you know to earth and trees and stuff but it keeps pacing in the cage because um, that's all that it's grown accustomed to. So it has now um, imprisoned itself. And so, so many times we do that. We have created some limit, you know, based on our thoughts, based on uh, what you say, this is all the capacity I have. You know, my love relationships will always be like this. Um, my sense of whatever, self-love, or my um, family, or my work. It's always like this. And by doing that, right, we are creating um, that same kind of cage. And we are doing the pacing. You know, it was a great um, teacher who once said, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. slavery only you can free your mind so that's what that phrase in the, di- the 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 image of the vastness is pointing to you know we have this treasure you know if if for instance when i'm doing energy work you know if i am not mindful right, and I'm sourcing that energy work from my own body, you know, I can even physically throw out my shoulder the way that I did on Wednesday. So then the next day I have this visit to the acupuncturist, and I have to say, you know, this is completely ridiculous, but I threw out my shoulder doing energy work. But, you know, he's a practitioner, so he was very compassionate about this. You know, if, on the other hand, I source from a different place, right, from that universe in its vastness, then I don't feel drained, and I don't hurt my shoulder, you know, because it's not dependent on me. You know, I am uh, the the vehicle, you know, the vessel. And the more that I can get out of my own way, right, the more that that becomes something real uh, that I can live and that I can tap into. That's why we, um, the images are continually reminding us uh, that we have this vastness. OK. Anything? On the losing um, of yeah. the idea, intellectually, I can understand
1: yeah. that it's continuously motion, there is, but we are still hanging on to something. That's yeah. how they yes
0: yeah yeah and and so that's the other side of it which is not to um lose ourselves in the emptiness which would be zen sickness you know the idea like well everything is empty so i'm um, just going to sit here and you know forget that my children need their breakfast that would not be <laughs> clear or compassionate everything is empty but at the same time all phenomena just like this are truth.
1: The interdependence of everything um, just is that uh, the giver and the, <coughs> the receiver, basically, can't exist without one another. So when you, I do lots of like volunteering in the hospital or picking up trash or whatever, and sometimes I, I have moments where I, or like at least at the beginning, also now I'm doing this good thing or something Diamond reminds you that without, for example, people throwing trash on the ground, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even have the the chance right now to do something to Mm -hmm. basically uh, improve my state of being because they give me the chance to do so. So there wouldn't be any doing good without any needs. So it is completely interrelated and Mm -hmm. without. So this is how, like, once we understand that and see it in in more and more and more detail, that it's down to the cellular and energetic level and so on, that there is no two sides, there is always only this isness of of being, and we keep ourselves entrapped by by thinking about, like, there is no left without right and so on. So this is the opposite of this, no, left, right, the direction without one another, so it's like always one, which is uh, yeah it's, it's like and
0: nice Yeah, and within that it it so funny, yeah. yeah, but you know, that's a part of it is is recognizing not to right, not to maintain an, a, any idea of oh, you know, I am I'm going to help this. Right, if if we um, you know, form some idea that, uh, you know, I am the, the helper, then, (coughs) you know, we might on some level need someone to throw the trash, because that's going to, and, and so being aware of, you know, I have no idea, you know, only, uh, you know, I'm going to step forth with this idea, you know, maybe, um, of letting the universe work through me and being of service. And, you know, even with that, we keep paring it down so that there cannot be any I that's going out to help. On- only, you know, perceive and respond. And luckily, though, we've got many, many more chapters uh, to work out our salvation because it is 12 o'clock. Thank you very much for coming.